I'm even happier seeing Karen's face on screen, so it's just beautiful. Keep up to date with the latest WSL action and the biggest interviews. I just love moving teams and then you have to do an initiation. Just love that moment in this limelight. Subscribe to the Koi Gig podcast stream on the OTB Sports app now. You are very welcome along. So the African Cup of Nations continues in Cameroon. There is an Irish man playing in the competition, the first ever to do so. So we will check in with Roberto Lopez of Shamrock Rovers and Cape Verde at half past seven or so on the football show after nine David McWilliams is going to join us pops on occasionally David McWilliams loves his football but he's going to talk to us about the world of football cryptocurrency and NFTs and it's a really interesting chat so something a bit different for you in the football show after nine and then between eight and nine Professor Niall Moyna will talk to us about fitness health broadly speaking, and namely all the markers that we should be hitting. We did this in Almoina last year. It was one of like the most popular podcasts of the year. So we thought we'd do a refresher and make sure we had all the details and all the markers. So if you're a, any age, any gender, you'll be taken care of here in terms of knowing what you should be hitting. 53106 is the text number. We're at Off The Ball on Twitter. Richie McCormick, hello to you. Hey, Joe. Nathan Murphy, hello. Hey, Joe. So uh, lots going on. Roberto Lopez coming up half past seven or so. Man of the match for Cape Verde against Cameroon. His mother, Irish, he grew up in Dublin. His father uh, moved from Cape Verde, left Cape Verde when he was 16. And he, Roberto Lopez played on the same underage team as Jeff Hendrick and Matt Doherty, a bunch of others. Was going about his business very nicely in the League of Ireland. And then he got a LinkedIn message in 2018, which he ignored because it was in Portuguese. And frankly, we all get too many emails and too many messages. And it turned out it was from the Cape Verde manager saying, I hear your father's from Cape Verde. Do you want to come and play for us? Eventually, the manager followed up with a message in English. And now here we are, Nathan. A couple of years later, he's into double digits caps and he's winning Man of the Match awards at the African Combinations. It's a pretty cool story. Yeah, it's a brilliant story. He was in studio a couple of years ago after Shamrock Rovers won the FAI Cup. And at that stage, I think he played just the one time for Cape Verde and still didn't seem quite sure as to where it would all lead and whether he'd be jetting off every three months when there was international duty and seemed to go quiet for a little while. And then uh, works out wonderfully where they qualify for the African Cup of Nations. And he has looked I think a step above almost every other player in that team like the calmness he's had when he's on the ball uh, they had a brilliant result the first day out albeit a little bit of luck with the Ethiopia getting players sent off but he hasn't looked out of place uh, in any way and like what a journey they're through to the last 16 uh, almost guaranteed looks like they're going to play Senegal and Sadio Mane and all the superstars of that Senegal side and I think anyone who's watched them for Shamrock Rovers over the last few years won't be surprised at this uh, you know it's a really strong Shamrock Rovers defence that they've had alongside whether it was Joey O'Brien was in there Liam Scales has had a little while in there and both of those have, at either ends of their career have had exceptional careers and you know Pico Lopez has fit in perfectly alongside them and I'm sure Richie's going to say when he was at Bohemians that's where it, uh, where he was made the footballer he is today but uh, they, yeah, held, was, they, they held him back it's really at a club like Rovers where he could <laughs> blossom you know you understand peak, that Richie his peak as you and I know and, <laughs> and Pico will admit this himself uh, later on uh, was winning the Leinster Senior League with Bowes a couple of years ago that is absolutely where his career plateaued and since then Let's be honest, everything's been a disappointment. Uh, but no, he, he's, he's been brilliant for, for Rovers for the last couple of years. And you look at that you know squad that he's in uh, with Cape Verde, they're like 
they're dotted all around Europe essentially you've got people playing for Fahivar who are a decent side in Hungary uh, you have people playing in there for the likes of Karabag who of course have been Champions League and European mainstays and group stage for last year so they're not mugs by any means uh, but they have managed to coalesce this you know team spirit that's gotten them through touch wood from their point of view it looks very unlikely they'll miss out in the last 16 now yeah. but it looks like you know they've, they've developed a really good atmosphere in that squad and they aren't alone Like there's been a couple of teams that have actually confounded expectations so far in this tournament yeah. um, in the group stage and will probably be unlucky to miss out Ghana could well miss out tonight and they've been one of the favourites throughout the last Jesus decade plus in this thing I noticed you both there went with Cape Verde am I imbecilic to be going with Cape Verde uh, you're imbecilic for a number of reasons, Joe. I would have, I would have gone with Cape Verde. Verde, okay. Well, you'll forgive me. So, uh, Cape Verde, if you're not aware, is about 380 miles. I checked this earlier, off the west coast of Africa. Small group of islands, population about 500,000. So, that's who uh, Mr. Lopez is representing very well at the moment. Dave McWilliams on the way after nine. Are you, Richie, into the world of crypto and NFTs? Do you understand this world? Are you fascinated uh, by this world or no? I'm, I, I, watched, I, I was a total novice before I, this chat with Dan McWilliams, I should confess. I have, I have a grim fascination with it because um, I, like many people, would probably view the whole world of NFTs as being an absolute scam. Um, uh, crypto you know it's very much on the fence of whether this thing is a is a bubble or not but essentially it is a bubble and um, much like we saw the dot-com bubble where companies were formed just from having dot-com in their name in the late 90s early 2000s and then the whole business collapsed we're going to see a similar thing here in terms of nfts but the way football and footballers have leaned into this so far has been pretty grim because i don't think there's anybody that would tell you that having a picture of a monkey has any value whatsoever or is going to increase and value so it's just been a money-making scheme and a pretty naked one for a lot of people and I don't think football clubs and players uh, that have been pretty vocal about this in the last few weeks have, have covered themselves in glory by attaching themselves to to some of the quote-unquote companies that have been doing the round so far. Yeah, there's an interesting dichotomy when it comes to cryptocurrencies. So NFTs, I'll come to in a second. For instance, with uh, cryptocurrencies, I was reading last week 456,000 people in Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, own some form of cryptocurrency. The majority own Bitcoin and the majority of them are under 34, uh, 10% over the age of 55. So 456,000 people in the country own Bitcoin or some other form of cryptocurrency. Now, interestingly, about 30% of people still don't know what it is. So there is that real dichotomy ongoing at the moment. And we're going to see sponsorship increasingly just seems to be revolving around cryptocurrency. So the Staples Centre, LA Lakers home, is uh, going to be called the Crypto.com Arena. It's a $700 million uh, deal over the next 20 years. So the Staples Centre in LA, for instance, is no more. Uh, Watford of Elon Musk's crypto on their sleeve, and it's seen as uh, very likely to replace gambling firms as the preeminent sponsors of football jerseys. And then there is the world of NFTs, which does seem a whole lot more... Uh, volatile. So crypto's been around since maybe 08, 09. NFTs, non-fungible tokens, to you and me, Nathan, around since kind of 2015, 2016. These are digital assets or pieces of content. Uh, there's lots of art. For instance, I think the third most expensive piece of art in the world is a non-fungible token in terms of art that's been sold as opposed to the Mona Lisa, which hasn't been sold of late. Uh, there's a 10-second video, which cost $6 million recently. NBA all over this. There was a digital picture of a rose 
not an especially good one, I would say either, which sold for 20K. And the world of football, as Richie says, is diving head on into this. So, for instance, uh, Ronald James uh, 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 Rodriguez, he released a cryptocurrency token, which is now completely worthless. But uh, it had sold out in 12 seconds, raising half a million and then raised another five million after that. Ronaldinho had his own crypto coin, which is now totally uh, worthless. But the NFTs and crypto big in the NBA they were the first to really get in on it and now football is diving in head first the Premier League apparently going to launch an NFT collection next season and I'm sure the prices will be ludicrous I mean what would we pay for uh, NFT of Roy Keane in his pomp I don't know whether someone's going to pay a lot of money for that I would presume Uh, where are you in this world Nathan I'm with you Joe I think I'm a little bit naive when it comes to uh, the world of crypto and of NFTs. I don't quite understand where the value lies in NFTs. And in a way, I've tried to ignore it because I don't want to get sucked into it. It does seem that anybody away from the celebrity side of it who's trying to sell it are the type of people you'd see at a Tony Robbins conference with their hands in the air, (laughs) uh, thinking that they're a little bit smarter than the rest of us all and know the cheap and easy way of getting uh, some cash in. I, I saw a website last week being promoted, which was a copy of NFT. So while you may not be able to afford the original, here's a copy, which I thought was the whole purpose of the NFT, that you couldn't copy these, that it was a one-off sort of digital artifact that you owned and was only going to appreciate in value. But it seems actually you can get cheap knockoffs as well. The crypto side of it from a football point of view is... <sighs> Listen, it's probably pretty disgusting in what they're trying to do, um, football clubs, but also uh, seems so short term in that in America, they've already had all sorts of issues around sports teams partnering with various cryptocurrencies and websites that it turned out were basically made up by some lad in his bedroom who would put together a LinkedIn profile saying he went to Harvard, would come up with all sorts of links to other crypto sites but really wouldn't have any funding whatsoever and would sign these deals for, as you say, 10 years for 20, 30 million pounds. And when they go looking deeper into it, there's actually nothing there. But all these clubs, maybe it's to do with COVID at the moment, are so desperate to bring in whatever funds they can. Yeah. They seem agreeable to anything. But uh, I'm looking forward to listening to David McWilliams because yes. there's one thing he's brilliant at. He's breaking it down for the layman. Totally, 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 totally. And your instincts and your fears may be well-founded after you hear to hear David McWilliams' take on it all. And uh, even, I mean, even uh, Bitcoin, it lost 30% in value since November. Now it's recovering slightly on account of US inflation, but that was a fairly volatile drop. There is another layer to this. I don't want to labour this because then it'll just seem all too complicated, but in its most basic term, what some clubs are starting to do now is sell these tokens, and these tokens give you a vote in these fairly unimportant decisions like the pre-match music or maybe, and you know, what, what, what uh, the captain's armband looks like on a given day. You get, the, you get to vote if you bought tokens. But it turns out to buy these tokens, you can only buy them through the cryptocurrency that has an association with the club or a sponsorship with the club. So you have to go and buy their crypto to vote on the pre-match music. And all of this is totally unregulated, it feels like. So these are the areas Dave McWilliams will get into. That's on the way after nine. Uh, one last point. Sorry. Sorry. Can we make can we make our own non fungible token? Oh yeah, we, there could there could be a, right, a well, Nathan Murphy in. NFT, <laughs> which would be sold for I reckon if the picture of the roses were twenty k, I reckon you get about eight million. Sign me up for it. <laughs> I don't think I you get the eight million. I don't think you get the eight million. Uh, Niall Moyna was outrageously popular last year. Uh, Ronan checked actually at the end of the year, and Niall Moyna last year was one of the most popular podcasts we did all year. So we we're revisiting. 
uh, the chat with Niall about our general fitness and then he's going to take us through the various uh, markers for our fitness. So I won't give them all away now or labour the point. Let me give you two, for instance. So uh, your strength, the press-up test. You're both in your 30s. <gasps> Ashley. Careful. 40. Alrighty, Nathan, 40, of course. Of course. So that means I, I get off lighter, do I? <laughs> and Richie, you're 39, are you? Six months to go, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, so the press-up test, and again, full press-ups for males, modified for females. So for instance, in your 30s, you should be able to do, with, with good technique, I emphasise, none of this like dropping your pelvis to the floor and arms staying rigid. Good technique. You should be able to do a minimum of 16 push-ups. There's no time restriction in your 30s. And now that you're old man 40, Nathan, uh, <laughs> you should be able to do a minimum of 12. Okay, I could manage that. You do 12 push-ups. Richie, you do 16 push-ups? I do 12 push-ups. Yeah, sure. For the purposes of this bit, why not? Okay. And then (laughs) the most, uh, I guess, the preeminent test of all of them, the one which will predict your fitness across a whole range, is how fast can you move in 12 minutes? We mentioned this last year. So now that you're in your 40s, Nathan, in 12 minutes, we want 2.2k out of you. In 12 minutes, 2.2k. 2.2k in 12 minutes Ooh, and if you touch can, and go I'd say would it be touch and go yeah and then Richie 2.3 for you you get the, the point, point 0.1 extra k you have to do 2.3 in your 30s I've got the longer yeah I've got the longer legs it's grand yeah so he's got four or five uh, markers and we'll go through all the ages and both genders and tell you what you should be aiming for it's to test your general strength your balance and your fitness but apparently that one that 12 minute one that's the best overall indicator of your health and he was saying for all the many fancy blood tests and cardiovascular tests and any other tests we can uh, come up with if you can hit the markers on the 12 minute test then that'll go a good way towards assessing your health and predicting your future health so there you are that's on the way with Niall Moyna between 8 so and 9 to do a 6 minute 10 second kilometre whew it's not nothing, is it? See, I'm not a runner. Yeah. I wouldn't be be good at that. No, I'd be... I, I Yeah, I think I'd be in around... When we were doing our um, duathlon last year, I think I was down to around 5 minutes 40 per kilometre. Okay. But I've definitely slowed down since. I was at the time looking um, in terms of slowing down or going faster and weight loss and how that might speed you up. And I think it was something along the lines of... For every kilogram you lose, you go six seconds per kilometer faster. Right. Interesting. You should be able to go six seconds kilometer faster. Chris has texted in to say, is that 16 push-ups a week, I assume? So. <laughs> <laughs> if I could do one now, one later. <laughs> <laughs> in between Doritos, I'll do a push-up. So we should start the news round. I mean, I think 16. God, you, God, you hope you've been in your 30s to be able to hit 16. Doesn't seem outrageous, but it is just a minimum is the point. You know, it's almost, that's, not, that's a wake-up call if you're, if you're struggling. That's the point of this test because there is no standardised test on behalf of the state. So that is why Niall Moyna devised one, which seemed like a good idea. The news round is brought to you by Gillette. Put your best face forward with our new and improved razors. Richie, you're starting with, well, I guess some injury news. Andy Farrell's going to name his Six Nations squad. Is it tomorrow? 
Yeah, this week, and he has uh, some decent news as well, uh, some light relief ahead of his announcement. James Ryan, Tyke Furlong and Jordan Larmer will be assessed ahead of Leinster's Heineken Champions Cup trip to Bath. It means their respective hamstring, calf and dead leg issues are not as bad as first feared. But mystery remains over the fitness of Ulster lock Ian Henderson, who's been dealing with an ankle injury for the past couple of months. Jacob Stockdale revealed last night that his season has been ended following ankle surgery. Yeah, I saw that. Suddenly, Jacob Stockdale in uh, surgery gown was news to a lot of us so it's a big pity for him but it definitely opens the door maybe for somebody else plenty of competition in that part of the field Wednesday night rugby tomorrow we'll go through Andy Farrell's squad as he names it uh, notable omission from the Tipperary hurling panel for 2022 James Bubbles O'Dwyer won't be involved this year Joe the new tip manager Colin Bonner has revealed a 34 man squad for the upcoming season O'Dwyer of course won two All-Irelands with the Premier two Munster titles but is not part of their plans Jer Brown and Dennis Marr both return to the tip fold with the league season now just less than three weeks away he's only 30 Nathan uh, Bubbles O'Dwyer obviously has done great things in Tipperary Jersey I guess and look I'm, I'm not complaining about this because I think they're amateurs and so they only owe people so much of an explanation but in, in typical GAA fashion I went looking for the statement and it simply just said he, he won't be involved this year but we don't know if that's his decision their decision mutual decision uh, you know will return won't return so we don't really know what's going on here at the moment No and there may be a sense in Tipperary that they need to shake things up it does feel at the moment they're a long way behind where Limerick are and you can't just keep doing the same thing again and again and expect results to change so Bubbles uh, Bubbles because of his nickname it feels like he's had a, 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 and I, mean, I don't do him the service and say he hasn't had a great career but it feels because you heard his name so often because of the nickname that he was always sort of front and centre when you thought of this Tipperary side over the last seven, eight years and them winning all Ireland. But the reaction today around seems to suggest that it's uh, certainly a, a little bit of a surprise that he's not in there. Uh, I thought you were going to mention um, the other big news ahead of the inter-county season and an absentee that uh, the football pod with Paddy and Andy is oh. going to be missing its Andy. Oh, no. This is, this yes. was, when was this announced? It's, uh, it's exclusively it's exclusively up on the OTB Sports app. Uh, the podcast is there um, with Paddy and Andy their last podcast as a threesome for now the word on the street Joe is that next week there'll be a new Andy McEntee yeah surely Farrell I had thought that Tommy I had thought that Tommy Rooney had finally uh, been granted his wish and we'd be calling it the football pod with Paddy and Tommy well, I, yeah, that has uh, certainly come up on uh, many occasions with Tommy. Um, his Mead, is it intermediate or junior football title, still doesn't quite get him there. But uh, yeah, Andy is uh, obviously got quite a bit on at the moment with the old Leitrim footballers, and I'm sure he's going to make some guest appearances during the season. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's been a, a brilliant first year for the football pod. But next Monday, Joe, I'm hearing there's going to be a big announcement. And you're being genuine here. Yeah, Andy's, Andy's, Andy's replacement is also called Andy. No, not necessarily. Oh, yeah. right, we, okay. we, did, we did consider, uh, we were discussing that we should do, um, only COVID, I think, kind of stopped us, that we should look for a replacement and should have a sort of an X-Factor style, but only for Andy's. Yeah. Like Andy McIntyre <laughs> is kind of the only one. And now that you say it, the fact that Andy McIntyre is there with Mead maybe put Tommy off because there might have been a bit of truth-telling Listen. about Tommy on it well even like just for the merchandise alone to not have to reprint all those Paddy and Andy t-shirts. well there is that you know it's a little bit awkward for everybody okay I look forward to Monday interesting can you give us a province no I'll be shot okay uh, speaking of Andy's this is just a segue oh wow that's good going to plan that 
that's is good it stuff. is it Andy Farrell or is it Andy? Yeah, that's worked out beautifully. Go on. Yeah, Andy Murray is through to the second round of the Australian oh. Open for the first time in five years. The Scot beat Nicolas Basilashvili in five sets this morning to set up a second round meeting with the Japanese qualifier Taro Daniel. It's three years since Murray last appeared in Melbourne, contemplating retirement then after a first round loss to Roberto Bautista Agut. But today he says momentum is key to staying fit. I've had you know various different issues around that sort of hip groin area, which has affected my movement at times, and I've not. It's not like I've always moved as well as I have in Antwerp and I've not always moved as well as I did today. There's been tournaments where that certainly hasn't been the case even, you know, a few months ago. So, yeah, the the important thing is to, to try to maintain that and the best way for me to do that is by staying healthy for, for a long time. Um, it's not as easy for those things just to, to come back um, as quickly as they, they used to when I was when I was younger. So if I miss like a period of time without playing or training, it takes a little bit longer. Titanic match this morning is just so admirable, Nathan. I know I can't think of many sports people I, I flipped one eighty so dramatically on as Andy Murray who when he was first on the scene I didn't quite see the appeal. I thought the dourness was hard to get past and now I'm in the queue for Andy Murray biggest fan. Yeah, it, it does seem as though every match that he plays at the moment is a titanic struggle. Um, and maybe he doesn't mind that. He's just happy to be out there. Because I remember it was at Melbourne where they had the big yeah. emotional goodbye. Three years ago. <laughs> to which, which Andy's like, uh, yeah, not <laughs> quite gone just yet. I, I'm with you. I think most people, when they first saw Andy Murray, and like most sports people, you don't get a real sense of their full depth of character. But I think everybody now knows the depth of Andy Murray's character. And we've seen it even over the past week with his comments uh, online about um, uh, Nigel Farage and also his comments on not going to Saudi Arabia, um, that, you know, he is somebody to be hugely admired. It is a strange Australian Open in that I see Nadal is third or fourth favorite. Andy Murray is obviously there. So you do still have two of the huge names, but it feels as though with Djokovic, not around that there's going to be a little bit of a changing of the garden it, it does remind you how fortunate the men's game has been over the last 15 years they've had the perfect mix of dominance but dominance of three people which meant that you've never got bored of it no because the quality of games between the three four has just been of the highest standard and produced some of the greatest sport we've ever seen that it's hard to see it living up to that over the next 10 years yeah I agree Murray by the way Nathan mentioned Saudi Arabia he turned down seven figures to go and play a single match there which was uh, very admirable. You know, that would have been an easy payday, but he said he wasn't going on account of their human rights record. Uh, elsewhere, Richie, what I suppose the man most likely to step into the Djokovic breach? Yeah, he's second seed, but he's favourite down in Melbourne. Daniel Medvedev set up a mouthwatering encounter with Nick Kyrgios by beating Henri Laxanen in straight sets today. Fourth seed Stefanos Tsitsipas beat Mikhail Imer in straights, and there are also wins for Andrei Rublev, Felix Auger, Aliasim, and Diego Schwarzman. Emma Raducanu needed three sets to beat another former US Open champion Sloane Stevens in the women's first round. Raducanu could play Simona Halep in round three, with the Romanian beating Magdalena Frech in straight sets today. Second seed Arena Sabalenka came from a set and a breakdown to beat the Aussie wildcard. Storm Sanders brilliant name in three sets but former finalist Petra Kvitova was beaten by the world number 38 Sarana Kirstea and there is live football this evening 
Yet Chelsea travelled to Brighton in the Premier League and knowing a win would move them back up to second in the table as a chance for redemption for Romelu Lukaku named in the starting 11 tonight. Mason Mount returns for them. No Shane Duffy for Brighton but Evan Ferguson is once again on the bench for Brighton and victory for them would take them to within a point of seventh kickoff is at eight o'clock. What about poor old Chelsea? Nathan, I'm sure you saw some of the City game. Yeah, City just outpowered them really and City, uh, Chelsea haven't played in the Carabao Cup. I felt they were a little bit flat. There was no question that City were a better team and I don't think it's fallen apart. I don't think it's completely disintegrated at Chelsea. They just haven't been able to maintain uh, the sort of run that Manchester City have and unfortunately because of the history of Chelsea I think it's understandable that there are questions about Thomas Tuchel been asked already I think he'd be fine till the end of this season he has a Champions League in his back pocket but you wouldn't be surprised again if we're into that rotation of next September, October uh, questions have been asked the only problem I find with Chelsea is you don't know still in any way what their best attacking lineup is like in midfield if they have Kovacic, Jorginho, Mount Kante, it doesn't seem to really matter. It's the three in front of them, and there's never any great cohesion amongst them because every match it feels as though, you know, Pulisic is in, Ziyech is in, Lukaku will get a run, and you would assume is sort of the first choice up there. But around him, the constant rotation means it's hard to get a full grasp of just how good they are. But I, I wouldn't say they're. I don't think they're in full-blown crisis by any stretch yet. No. You'd still expect them to feature latter stages Champions League, absolutely, especially under Tuchel, they have that about them. But yeah, it's been a pity the way the Premier League title race has gone. Fellas, we are out of time. Nathan, thank you. 12 press-ups on the way. Richie, you have to do 16. Yeah, I'll have them by you by next week. Okay, thank you.